it's Mr. Comet number five here. Uh, you guys always get me at Mr. Comet number five on Twitter uh, or our primary uh, Twitch or Twitter, which would be at CMD Tower. And uh, of course, all of our other content. Uh, I will be actually taking over for Big Puck in the month of November, hosting all of our Sling and Cardboard Rectangles while he is out in Argentina. Uh, and uh, very excited. Little sneak peek. Uh, one of the Commander's Brews is going to be joining us. Very, very excited. And I have always wanted to have a Planeswalker friend just like you. Uh, SD Sharpie here. You can find me on Twitter at SD underscore Sharpie. And you can always hit me up in the CMD Tower Discord. And I've always wanted to live in a multiverse near you. Marketing Ross here. You can find me on Twitter at Vizardrix Vibes or lurking in the Discord with SD Sharpie. Uh, and let's make the be- most of this beautiful board state. And here in Mr. Bever's neighborhood, we will honor that beautiful bald-headed gentleman as he's out sick, because we're here to still address the salt in the room, or should we actually say more apt for this episode, the salt in the year of 2022. Um, And this one will be a little bit different, because we are reviewing the new EDH Rec salt list for 2022, which is community voted, and we're going to do this through the following. We're each going to talk about a card that shocked us, that was even on the list, a card that was way too high, a card that is way too low, and a card that is just right. Yes, it does have a little bit of a Three Bears vibe going for it. Just go. Uh, I promise I don't think we'll get hit for copyright infringement, but we'll just keep filibustering. So to start this off, I'm very curious, SD, uh, fellow Degen, what card actually shocked you that was even on the list? Uh, actually is uh, Oppression. Uh, it's number 93 on the list. It's a mono-black enchantment. Uh, for two black and a colorless, you get whenever a player successfully casts a spell, that player chooses and discards a card. Uh, I found this pretty shocking because this doesn't really seem salt-inducing at all. I mean, it's it's not an overbearing discard effect. It was it was a little strange seeing it on the list, even, even, even so uh, so high up there. So I won't give away too much of my opinion on this because this card's actually in one of my other categories. Um, but I will say I would disagree with you because it has that taxing vibe of like, if even if I want to get rid of it, I have to spend my resources through my hand to use a spell. And then on top of that, I also have to discard a card. So it's almost like I have to do a two for one just to get rid of oppression. And then if it's the, well, someone else will deal with it, then literally you're two for zeroing every single time you cast a spell. So I can kind of see how it would get annoying because you also know there'd be that person at the table. Hey, hey, you got to discard a card. Oh, oh <laughs> hey, that, that was a spell. Oh, it got countered though. Ah, but you still cast it. You got to discard a card. Yeah. Did you play something? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I For me, I think it's uh, maybe it's not the card itself, but it's maybe what it's often paired with, because Mm. I doubt anybody's just running this for fun. They're probably running it with like a Turgrid or just a a Megrim or, you know, some sort of life loss effect along with the discard. So it's it's carded card disadvantage combined with just general oppression. Ooh, full of puns today. So mine. uh... I'm I'm super surprised this is on here. It's number 67 on the list. And just before I say what the card is, here are notable cards ahead of or um that are behind, or behind it. Crater Hoof Behemoth. 
Corvold the Faking attracts a Keldon Firebarmer. A card I'm shocked is on this list is Boil. Boil <laughs> is three colorless red. It's an instant, and it just purely says destroy all islands. I don't understand. Like, I understand that land destruction is salt-inducing. So if you were going to say, hey, some AI algorithm dug through every single card in Magic's history uh, to create this list, then okay, I, I-, I could see that. Um, but this is community-voted. A, I don't think I've ever seen Boil. B, it seems like it really only punishes the control players that's doing blue. So most people hate those players to begin with. So why is that putting people on tilt? And it is just islands. I get it. It's instant speed, but it's just islands. So most likely this four mana spell, very similar to other four mana sorcery land destruction spells, where those will probably get in a commander game. Minimum 20 lands, because you got to think at least five per person. Boil is maybe going to get rid of six, seven, de- depending on your pod. Um, Marketing Ross, what do you think of Boil on this list? I, I feel like the people that may get the saltiest are those that you already mentioned. The, so the people that are trying to control the table anyway, um, they're the, probably the ones with most islands at the table. Um yeah, I'm 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 with you. It's surprising that it's on this list because it is such a narrow focused. Um I just imagine running this in a deck and then coming up against a pod that nobody's running blue. Like yeah. what a what a dead card in your hand. Um SD, a question I'd like to throw to you about this card. So there's a other very famous popularly played card that only ma- only cares about islands. And we're talking about that uh green enchantment carpet of flowers. Carpet of Flowers is really only played in CEDH because CEDH, it's almost like everyone's playing blue. You don't see Carpet of Flowers played in any other deck, really. So, like, Carpet of Flowers and this effectively are similar to where it's like your opponent's islands really matter. And yet, we don't see one of them even played. So why do you think this is salty? Uh, I think it's just the the land destruction aspect of the card. Uh, The list is littered with those cards. Yeah. And oddly enough, I almost picked this one as as the shocker just because I was like, man, it's it's super weird because people love to hate on blue. So why would this be a salty card? But if you if you scroll through the list, there are a couple other ones like Acid Rain. And I think there's the one that destroys planes as well. So I Last think fire. this is mostly on the list just because it it destroys lands, just like Acid Rain. I mean, it, it hits forest. So I don't think it's necessarily the fact that it goes after the, the islands, but just more so that it's considered land destruction. Yeah, and that other one you mentioned, flash fires destroying all planes. What a what a rude thing to do! Like they're, <laughs> they're already struggling. So, marketing Ross, which one shocked you that was on the list? This will be the interesting one. I feel like you're going to pick something real weird. No, I'm actually on the same wavelength with you here, um, and I chose one that's just before the one that you chose, uh, and it's Wake of Destruction, and it's, it's the salt score is one point eight one. And the reason I picked it is for a couple reasons. One, I have never seen anybody run this card ever. Uh, two, it's a sorcery speed and it costs six mana with trip red pips in it. Yep. And it says destroy target land and all lands with the same name as that land. So granted, if you're playing a mono colored person, you could do the same thing that Boyle just did. But think of all of those like non-basic lands that people are running. You're not going to hit a single one of those. 
So for for this to be cast and make a, a salty impact is just very surprising to me. So how uh, my boil was almost SD's pick for this, this was actually almost my pick for this. Because when I saw it, it's like, okay, I guess I'll just destroy all basic forests. It's like, once again, I'm probably paying six mana, and unless there's a monocolored player at the table, maybe a two-colored player, depending on how they did their lands, I'm maybe getting six lands at tops with this card. So it's just, I, I think SD hit it on the head. I think people are just like, oh, it says destroy land. It's a salty card without actually thinking about gameplay and the ramifications of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think like my biggest complaint with the, the, the list altogether is just how they don't really lump some things together. Like you have a lot of cards on this list that do exactly the same thing. I mean, word for word. Yet you, you still have them taking up um, several slots on the list. I mean, it's like, like I said, like this list is littered with land destruction spells. And it's like, I, I don't really need to know that, you know, 30 of the top 100 saltiest cards are land destruction. It's like, maybe <laughs> let's lump all of those together and then save up some space for some other salty cards. Well, and like, you didn't even see cards like strip mine on here. And I get it. That's yeah. one time use, but people get butthurt about that. Like when, when you target it, um, I think people even get more butthurt about that one because it's like, I'm willing to give up my own land for you to not have a land. Like, that's the most <laughs> petty thing ever. Like, you can't have ice cream and I'm not going to have ice cream. Nobody gets ice cream. Well, I think that's going to address the one that shocked us. Before we get over to one that we think was way too high, uh, we would love for you guys to check out our amazing Patreon community, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Uh, we got lots of different tiers. Starts at three bucks, get you full access, um, unlocked into the Discord. Plus, you get uh, entered in to be able to be on the show. Whether that's a uh, slinging cardboard rectangles, it could be for deck therapies. We got a whole slew of different options on there. But then we do have higher tiers that you actually do get merchandise from us. So anything you guys can do would greatly help us out at Patreon.com/slash/CMDTower. Now, Marketing Ross, what card did you think was way to? <laughs> do I have to do a falsetto when I announce it? <laughs> I think so. I, I, but just maybe the last half of the uh, pronunciation. Like if it was like marketing Ross. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, mine is one that has actually come up on brews and builds before, but it's because we don't want to talk about uh, lands that uh, don't produce mana. Right. Um mm -hmm. And so mine is a uh, assault score of 2.32 and a price tag of $4,401. So we went with the Tabernacle of Pendrel Vale. Yes, we did. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, my reasoning for, I, I think this card is way too high on the list, is have you ever seen anybody play this card? Ever. Like, nope. yeah, it, it might be a pain in the ass if it actually hit the table, but I don't, I have never seen this card in my life. So this was mine as well. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, Ross, this actually went up two spots from 2021. Like it actually got saltier from last year to this year. <laughs> and I have seen, I think it's Magus of the Tabernacle, basically mm -hmm. the, the creature version of the land. Um, and it's like, okay, whatever, I guess. Um, I really just think it's salty because people can't have it. They can't afford to spend yeah. four to $5,000. And I'm jealous of the Joneses and their beautiful house down the street. 
Um, that's the only reason it can even be on this list. If, if it was maybe in the 80s or 90s, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But right. I think it's just jealousy. I, I don't actually think it's a salty card. Yeah, I for for me, if somebody played this against me, I would say congratulations. Your card that cost four thousand dollars shut down my deck that cost two hundred dollars. Really well done. <laughs> what do you Sharpie, think? SD? It sounds like maybe you've played against it. Uh, I have not ever actually played against it. I'm oh, really okay. surprised I didn't, I didn't see it in a competitive game. But uh, I, I think another reason it's salt inducing or quote unquote salt inducing is just the hype around it. I think there are a mm. couple of cards on this list that have way too much hype. And it's like you yeah. said, like you've never played against this card. Why is it so salt inducing? It's just the effect. It's what people say it does. And everyone's like, Oh yeah, mm. I would hate that. It's like, but you've, you've never played against it. So how do you know if you really hate it? Cause I would be honest, it wouldn't probably do much against my decks. I don't usually run a whole <laughs> lot of creatures. So only having to pay like four mana a turn wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is if we're going to really try to take our objective hats and think about it, maybe it's because player A plays this. It is a beginning of upkeep, and so the player that played it doesn't actually pay any of the tax until full rotation from the table. And so maybe that's it, to where it's just everyone's like, man, this this feels bad and I'm getting salty about it because I have to deal with it before they even have to deal with it. Maybe if it said, like, all creatures have at your instep, sack this creature unless you pay one. Maybe that would make people a little less bitchy because it's like, well, at least George had to pay 17 mana to do it um, mm-hmm. before it got passed to me. Like, do you guys think that maybe has some play? Yeah, I I, I think that along with, um, I mean, while you were talking to that, it, it kind of a light bulb came on my head. It might also be so salt inducing just due to the fact you can't turn it off. Like, even if you get to the point where, like, all the creatures are gone, hey, guess what? You don't have to sacrifice it. It's still there. So if I if I do play more creatures or I'm a token deck and I'm able to generate, you know, 10 plus tokens on my turn, I still have to pay for them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then land targeted land destruction is one of the fewest forms of removal that most people play. I know we talked about strip mine, but overall, people aren't running a ton of land removal. Um, so if this does land on the table and it stays there, most people are, they don't have an answer prepared for it. Makes sense. Uh, well, me and Ross matched on that SD. What do you got? All right. So this will probably be the hot take of the night, but, uh, Uh my force of will high, (laughs) no, no, not that one either. My highly rated card is, uh, there's a Lord high artificer. It's sitting at, uh, number 13 on the list. Um, I think most everyone knows what this card does. So the reason I think it's rated too high is because Urza by himself is not a problem. It's what Urza brings with him that's the problem. So in my opinion, I don't think this card is all that assault-inducing if you just look at the card at face value. It shouldn't be number 13 on the list when the real problem is the winter orb and the static orb and all the other goodies that it brings with it. Those are problems. Man, um, I would have to highly disagree with you, only because I do play Urza in a non-Winter Orb, Static Orb deck, so that stuff doesn't... That's not why my opponents get ticked. 
it's be I think it's because the five colorless play something for free. And there's so many ways to make infinite mana. Like so many or just let's just say absurd amounts of mana. It's super easy nowadays to just have 20 to 50 mana in a turn. And I think that's where the salt really lies because Urza by himself really only costs three mana because he brings a little buddy with him that he can immediately tap it. I think if it, I think if Urza actually said this, SP, um, artifacts, untapped artifacts you control can tap and add a blue mana, I think that would be different because yeah. then those artifacts would have summoning sickness potentially if they were creatures and so they couldn't do it. But it's the fact that Urza's the one that taps them. It totally circumvents that that uh, restriction. So I think mm -hmm. that's why another reason it's so high on the list because it's so easy to just combo off turn three, turn four because now you're just making these gobs of little dudes. So yeah, um, I, I don't know your thoughts, uh, Marketing Ross. No, I, I would I would agree with you. I think the the main salt factor for Urza is just that he has such a big easy button stapled to him. Mm -hmm. um i i think people get get upset when you play something that just enables you to go off so quickly right so if you i don't know if you played something else and, and uh combo i like the the change that you made to it if you remove the summoning uh sickness factor from those those constructs but i think when you play something that hits the table and people immediately go Oh, well, now he's just going to tap all of those uh, those winter orbs and whatever else he's got and go crazy. Um, I think that's the problem. Um, and it maybe maybe it would be less salt inducing, too, if he didn't bring a, a construct with him. Right. Like if he didn't bring a immediate oh, man. So, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, you think about it, Deadeye Navigator and two artifacts, you go almost infinite because i mean he'll start etbing bring constructs with them there's ways to bring along like an extra artifact with it um and then it's mm. just blink city um so yeah uh i don't think i've ever seen urza not do disgusting things so and and circling back to the the tabernacle factor the pre the fact that he has 50 dollars as a price tag that uh -oh. might be another another factor yeah that's true all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the ones that we all thought were way too high. Before we head over to the next one, um, we would love for you guys to check out our Etsy store, uh, Etsy.com, um, and just search CMD Tower in the search bar, because there's no way I'm going to read out that long-ass URL to all of you guys. It's ridiculous. Like Etsy.com slash store slash this slash that. Um, we are not a used car commercial. So if you just go search for CMD Tower, uh, you'll see our great store on there. Uh, we do have our sleeves, our play mats, our, our coins, our reminder tokens, our sweaters. It is getting cold. It was like 20-something degrees in Kansas City today. Uh, absolutely freezing. Hence why I'm wearing my BB-8 sweater. Um, I need to go actually, because the funny thing is this is left over from when we did laundry last winter, and I was just too lazy to take it and put it out in the shed in our <laughs> sweater box. So I need to go dig the sweater box out so I can get my CMD Tower sweater out. But we do have a great Jun sweater on there. Um, of course, just like Patreon and everything else you guys do for us, every single purchase you do directly feeds back into the channel. So just remember, Etsy.com, CMD Tower in the search bar for any of your magic accessory needs. Now we're going to talk about the cards that were way too low, and I'll just start this off because mine was already brought up. Oppression. <laughs> so here's why I think Oppression is probably way too low at number 93. 
Um, because to me, if something is like 90 or below, it's fringe. Like you barely even made the list. Like you maybe edged out something by a salt score of 0.01, 0.02. So I have oppression. I do play it. Um, and I can tell you, SD, um, in my Nickel Bolas discard deck, when I play oppression, people are like, go to hell. You should die, (laughs) whether it be in real life or in the game. Uh, we, we don't want anything else to do with you. And Here's the best example I have. Don't people get ticked off about Ristic Study? And that doesn't even make you discard. That just makes you pay <laughs> one measly colorless mana. And I think Ristic Study's in the top 20 on this mm. list. They're both whenever you cast a spell, except Ristic Study is just your opponents. I get it. Oppression's kind of everyone, but it's both when you cast a spell, you have immediately this trigger on the stack that you have to deal with. At least Ristic Study, you can get around it. You just pay the one, and you're done. This, you got to discard cards. And it, it, it can get to the point, unless you're casting a spell, it resolves, you have no cards in hand, so you discard nothing, and then you get to draw cards to try to get back. Basically, every card you cash, you're actually losing two. So you're just, your hand size is dwindling down. And I've seen, like, if Oppression can stay on the board state for one rotation, most of my opponents only have one to two cards in hand when I have four to five. So I think that's why 93 on the list is way too low. I think if I was to give it, and you know, and this is something we did for the others, but I think if I was going to say where this should be, I'd probably put it in the fifties. Like, I, I don't think it's a top 20 salt card, but I do think it's right in the middle. It's that annoying card. You're constantly getting my resources. You're very difficult to deal with. And above all else, it is an enchantment and enchantments are one of the hardest permanents to remove magic. Because we're all terrible people and don't run enough enchantment rooms. So that is my argument on oppression being way too low on the list. Ross, before you give your opinion, I'm just curious, SD, with how I laid that out, does that does that ring anything with you? Or do you still think like it probably shouldn't have been on the list at all? Uh, I kind of stick with what I, I said before. Um, the major thing is, is with oppression, you get to choose the cards you discard. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, you kind of brought up the fact that you kind of have to pay um, double the price for a card. You know, you have to discard a card to play the card. But how about you flip that around and look at it from the aspect of I have no problem play- discarding my cards because I'm going to play them from my graveyard. So there there no longer is a tax on my, on my spells. And in some cases, you're actually making it easier to play said cards that I'm discarding marketing ross so i i think that's a a valid point if you're a graveyard deck um (laughs) if if i'm if i'm not concerned about my graveyard i'm probably not happy about discarding my hand and (laughs) all and i would say all other things considered i don't know about your play group sharpie but do people normally get more upset with you when you draw cards or when you force them to discard cards so making the comparison between oppression and uh, Ristic Study, I think oppression should be closer to, to the top of the list with Ristic Study because I don't know if you've ever built a discard deck, but people get pissed. <laughs> Piss in my ass! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the Well, I don't want to say, because there is one card that I'm surprised um, no one's alluded to that they maybe felt was too low on the list. Uh, Marketing Ross, which one did you feel like was too low? Because there's one that I want to highlight when you guys go, if you haven't said it, 
that I was just shocked was not like in the top 20. Yeah. So the one I picked uh, only has a salt score of 1.78 um, and it's pretty, pretty low on the list. And I'm surprised because anytime I've seen this hit the table, people go nuts. And that is omniscience. Ah. Um, so I'm not saying the card itself is salty, but it's the uh, the follow up things that happen after somebody lays out an omniscience that I'm surprised that people aren't saltier about this. Um, most of the time, when when somebody figures out a way to to cheat the game or or do things for free or a super reduced cost, um, whether or not they're taxing everybody else, that puts them at a significant advantage. And I'm surprised that this one didn't uh, didn't rank a little bit higher. And where was it exactly on the list? What number? I didn't take that note down. Ah, but. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so here's the thing with omniscience. Cause I actually do play a fair number of them. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know why it's on the salt list to begin with. Let's see. It's it's right up there with Mana Vortex, Narset Enlightened Master, Force of Will. Um so the thing with me and Omniscience is that it costs 10 mana. It is so much mana. It does let you cast spells for free, but many times it just kind of ends the game. Um, it's like, okay, I got Omniscience, I win. And so then you get to play another game. And I never get salty about Omniscience because um, you can still counter the spells. I mean, I've countered people's spells when they do Omniscience. Um, and they're usually like, oh, damn, didn't think that was going to happen. Now I don't know what to do. <laughs> Um, you know, it, I think it'd be different if it's like you cast spells from your hand without paying their mana cost and they're uncounterable. Like that would just be like, oh man, this sucks. Um, but I don't know. For for me, I think it's like it looks like it's probably in the sixties. I guess I could see it maybe be in the forties or thirties. But it, it starts to become difficult because you start looking at some of those cards in the top twenty or thirty, and you're like, I don't know, is omniscient saltier than Dockside? Probably not. Uh, is it saltier than Cyclonic Rift? Probably not. So um, that's an interesting one that you thought that it was probably too low on the list. Um, SV, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm with you. I don't think this card should be on the list at all. Uh, I used to despise this card. I, I played against a guy that somehow always managed to have this in his hand with Showing Tail. But um, ultimately, I think this card has been extremely power crept. Uh, this used to be uh, a, a big baddie. Uh, you didn't want to see it ever, but nowadays it's you can do way worse things with half the mana, a fraction of the mana. I mean, what would you be more mad about, uh, the omniscience or the fact that someone cast a dockside and got twenty treasures and then cast omniscience off of it? I mean, um, dockside's the problem in that situation. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really think it should be on the list at all. Interesting, interesting. I think it's funny that the two uh, DGens are like, this card's fine! And like our budget <laughs> casual players like, this is scary! <laughs> yeah, I, I guess for me, most of the time, uh, whenever this lands on the table, there's just a collective groan. So <laughs> for me, for me, I think that's why it should have a higher salt. Um, and I will ask Mr. Combo, do you pay 10 mana for this in Jota? I have. Quite frequently, because because that was well, see, and, and, you still did it. But see, yeah, see, that's the thing though with like it because now we're picking like one specific deck, and that's similar to the argument 
um, against oppression where SD is like, well, I want my cards in the graveyard. And it's like, well, I guess if you're a graveyard deck, sure. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, if you're in like a cheaty McFace deck where it's like I'm doing Jota things, um, maybe like some sort of elf ramp, like Gaia's Cradle type stuff. Like, okay, yeah, that that's it sucks because they're getting it down turn four, turn five. Um, and I think we can all agree that it, that salt sucks because it's like, great, you can play everything for free now. But when you're talking like late game, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather see them play an omniscience with three cards in hand than, you know, do some dockside blinking and then maybe tooth and nail entwined with all those treasures. Like that would be like, F me. <laughs> Like, that's going to suck. What two creatures are you getting out of tutoring from your deck and putting straight to the battlefield? Um, and I, I'll probably say this. I'm not as salty on Omniscience because I've played it many times. I've been like, okay, pass. They're like, wait, you don't win? I'm like, no. <laughs> that's that's fair. SD, what card did you think was way too low? All right. Um, I'm going to be that guy. Uh, I think Tur- Turgrig God of Fright is, is too low on the list. It's sitting in at number eighteen. This you think it's too sh- low? Yeah, that should be in like the top ten. I hate this card. <laughs> I hate this card with passion. <laughs> I mean, so this is a personal pick. Yeah, that. I, I mean, I, I I'll aggro the hell out of you if you play this card. I mean, even if it's not the commander, if it's in the ninety nine, and I see it, it, it's no. You're not gonna have fun. I'm not gonna have fun. We're all gonna be pissed off. <laughs> this card sucks. <laughs> Interesting. So I, I see a correlation here. So community, if you're not familiar with Tegrid, three colorless black black, and really the front side, that's all that matters. Uh, whenever an opponent stacks a non-token permanent, and I don't think that's what SD's talking about. <laughs> I think it's more the or discards a permanent card. You may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. I think we've already heard how SD's very happy to discard stuff into the graveyard. <laughs> I, I'm seeing this this personal wound that you have with Tergrid. Because uh, it sounds like you like to play with hand and yard. Uh, is this fair to so, say? So the worst thing is the fact she gets fetch lands. Ah. And for me, like like 90% of my decks have like that optimized <laughs> mana base where it's like I'm playing every fetch that I can. And it's just like sacking those and knowing you're just giving them to the Turgor player to ramp out. I mean, they could keep like the worst hand possible, like no ramp, no lands, and, and you just fix all that for them. And there's something you can do about it. And then, then they have you discarded cards, and you're just like, well, I wanted that to go to my graveyard, but I, I guess you can have this sire of insanity, and we can all die now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be super upset to give the Turgid player my Evolving Wilds. <laughs> uh, no, I mean... I, I understand what you're saying, um, but Turgrid, if it is the commander, it costs five the first time, and then it starts to get pretty steep after that. And creatures are one of the easiest ways, or easiest things to remove. Granted, you have to pack removal to get rid of it, but in in my mind, uh, if Turgrid was an enchantment, it would be so much worse than it, it being oh, a creature. Yeah. So, so, like, so paint, paint a picture for you. Um, you have your um, polymorph effects. I think there are a couple of them that get you two cards out of your, your deck in one go. So you place partners, you know, say something like Thrasios File Smasher or Sakashima File Smasher. Basically, you're in Grixis, Grixis colors or, or red and black colors. Um, and they have two cards in their, their 99, which is Turgrid and Sire of Insanity. 
This how sounds like a, it, how bad would that suck to just be sitting there like, oh yeah, you know, um, sure, yeah, it, just let, let, let's see what you're gonna flip off the top, and then it's just like, oh, turgid, you're like, that's not good, and then followed by sire of insanity, and you're just like, cool. Once again, I feel like this is some <laughs> wound you've gone through. Like I feel like you're going through therapy um, about this uh, game. This does sound like a very specific hypothetical you're raising. <laughs> I have seen yeah, it in I, a couple games, yes. Yeah, I definitely would say if this was on a land or an enchantment, it would be way worse. Um, I, I, you know, I think a middle ground could have been like, okay, would you have felt better SD if they would have taken that effect and put it on Turgrid's Lantern, which is the backside, which is a legendary artifact, and then basically flip-flop? You know, they they gave Tegrid, the target player loses three life unless they sack a non-land or discard a card, and then they could pay the three colorless black to untap it, and then the artifact side would have had this. Would you have would you be less salty then? I, I think to fix Turgrid for me, you basically have to make it uh, I think the card is called It That Betrays. Uh-huh. And it's basically you just hit creatures. Like if you got just creatures, I'd be okay with that. It'd still be a really strong effect in my opinion. And you just wouldn't decimate people and their cards. It's like, yeah, I don't want to um, discard my, my creature or sacrifice it so that you can have it. But I also would prefer that over giving you like three or four fetch lands along with the creatures from my hand and artifacts and stuff like that. So. I, I think one way that you could fix this is something that they've been printing on cards more recently where they say this uh, this can only happen once per turn. And mm. so if you, you know, did a mass discard of everybody, you know, dumping their hand, you could still only pick one thing out of all this, all of the stuff that went to the yard. No, those are all those are all valid points. Well, we got one right uh, one that's left. And this one's really going to be a, uh, I don't think there'll be much argument. It's just going to be like, we felt these were just right. But before that, uh, you know, we've talked about some expensive cards. You guys are probably like, huh, I'm never paying four to five grand for a tabernacle. Well, good for you. Wizards has just okayed proxies for everyone. So you should go to abyssproxyshop.com instead of spending $1,000 for four packs of crap. Uh, Abyss Proxy <laughs> Shop has cards for little as, uh, little as $3 a card. Um, if you guys are watching on Twitch or YouTube, you could definitely see uh, our CMD Tower Command Tower proxy that we have printed with our QR code. Uh, me, SP, and Big Tuck will be at Magic 30 in Vegas. Passing these out, all you got to do is come up, say hello, play us in a game. It's kind of like a bounty system. Um, or you could tell us a joke. Jokes, games. That's how you get them. Um, but if you use code CMD Tower, you do get 10% off. Um, they do have a massive custom catalog on there with just art that people have found, asked them to to make it into a, a magic card for them, and boom, they print it off. So um, every order that you guys do use purchase using our code does go directly go back to our channel. So just remember abyssproxyshop.com. Now, here are the cards that we felt were just right. All right, SD. We, we've been in disagreement most of the night. What card did you think was the right spot? All right. I feel like I bring this card up a lot, so it's it's probably not going to be Winter a Orphan. surprise. No, it is not Winter Orphan. <laughs> I don't even know that that should be in the second spot, but anyways. Um, oh, is it Static Orb? Yes, it's definitely Static Orb. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to talk about Thassa's Oracle. Oh, okay. It, 
It's number seven on the spot. I don't even think it was on the list last year, which to me is great progress. Um, I despise this card for multiple reasons. Um, it kind of ruined CDH for me, and in a weird way, it's starting to ruin regular EDH just because um, of how often it keeps popping up. Uh, it's it's too easy to win with. Simple as that. Um, I think it's number seven on the list, so it, it jumped way up there because I. Like I said, I do not believe it was on the list at all last year. Correction, it was number 16 on the list last year, so it did jump really? up nine spots. Okay. So, yeah, we, we, got it, we got it in the top 10. So, yeah, Let, let's get it in the top work five. work to be so done because you got to yeah. five. <laughs> get a band. <laughs> Marketing Ross, how do you feel about Oracle? So being the uh, the more casual budget guy at the table, this is another one that I rarely see. Um, I, I understand the salt behind it, but I guess for me, if it's if it's at, at a CEDH table, you're probably expecting some sort of very fast, very quick win, and um, Thassa's Oracle provides that. Um, when it does start to creep into those random uh, casual games, I could see that causing a lot more salt. Um, if somebody, you know, demonic consultations into the Oracle, that's that's not fun for most people. I guess so. I, I should have kind of explained why I find it so salt-inducing. Um, like you said, you don't really see it in casual. Um, that's kind of not really surprising. I think it's something that happens more around where I'm located. So, again, uh, more personal feelings than anything. Uh, it sucks seeing it in a casual game because, you know, it doesn't take anything to win with. So, you know, you're all just kind of chilling playing what you think is a fun game of EDH. And then they're like, oh, Thassa's Oracle. And you're like, cool, you're just going to scry like four, right? And they're just, you know, it's like that Anakin and Padme uh, meme. It's, you're just going to scry four, right? And it's like, no, <laughs> demonic consultation. You're like, cool, cool, cool. And as far as CDH, um, it is very much an expected card there uh, for good reasons. Uh, it's very strong. For me personally, I don't like it in CDH just because with the with its printing uh the format became very stale in my opinion i know a lot of other people don't feel that way that's just kind of how i see it because that is like the number one win con and just about every deck is trying to jam it and to me there's not enough diversity in cdh so thus's oracle is kind of at the root of all that for me and it, it really ruined that that play experience so uh I don't have any feelings, positive or negative, about Tasta. Um, but, you know, if I took my personal feelings out of it, I can understand why it's so high on the list. Um, because I feel that in the last year, year and a half, the community has done a better job of embracing CEDH and what comes along with it. Mm -hmm. In years past, it was always... CEDH is EDH. And it just, I, it felt like the rules committee and the CAG and, and Watsy was just kind of like competitive players, shut the F up. Like, be quiet. You guys are such a niche part of the community. Like, your voice truly doesn't matter. But with like Jim being able to join the CAG from the Spike Feeders and uh, playing with powers becoming a lot more popular, I think even the command zone might have done like a competitive game night once. Um, I think it. I think people are being more comfortable with being like, hey, there is a competitive group. That's just not for me. I'd like to do something else. So I think that's why we're seeing Thassa's Oracle so high on the list. 
because I think it's only salty in competitive games. I don't think it's salty in casual because if someone's doing this in demonic consultation, guess what? They're not a casual deck. They're a competitive <laughs> deck. So I, cause I actually do run this card. Um, I was able to get a full art foil uh, from another, none other than lemony lemmings uh, from our community. Ooh, and ooh. I think I run it in my Garza Zol deck, that terrible Grixis eight mana chick. Cause it's like, well, maybe if I draw enough cards, it'll maybe win me the game when there's like 10 left in my library or something. Um, so I definitely play it in a lot fairer deck, but also that deck is pure jank. So that's why I think like my personal feelings don't really apply to this, but I can see from a community perspective, we're embracing the voice of the CEDH community. And that's why it has to be number seven. There's no way that the casual community voted it as a top 10 salty card. All right, Marketing Ross, what was yours just feels right? <laughs> so mine is a, a card that I have played against, and every time it hits the table, for me, I groan. Um, <laughs> and that's the, the number four slot of uh, Vorinclex Voice of Hunger. Totally a fair card. Uh, it's <laughs> it's very fair, um, and it's very fairly ranked on the salt rate, rating here. Um, I, th I think the, the biggest problem for it is not only is it doubling the mana production of whoever played it, but everybody else at the table, in order to get rid of it, they have to, you know, lose out on some mana for a, a round. You could even argue that's kind of the the same, um, you know, logic you could use behind oppression. Oppression's like, if you want to get rid of it, you're going to, you will have to punish yourself for the benefit of the table. Um, I don't know if I feel like, I mean... I guess people's feels. I guess, yeah, this is number four on the list. Um, but I don't think it should be a, like, it's ahead of Expropriate. Expropriate's one slot behind it. I feel like Expropriate's way worse than Vorinclex. Um, like, at bare minimum, you're getting one extra turn and stealing three permanents. Like, that is backbreaking. Um, but, SD, how do you feel about Vorinclex's Voice of Hunger? Uh, I really have no feelings about it. I, I don't think the the like first five slots are probably ever gonna change on on the salt score, but me personally, I don't really even care about foreign clicks. It, it does suck having to be the the player that removes it because you're like, cool, I'm gonna you know tap these lands down for two turns so everybody else can keep playing. That it does suck being that player, but I mean outside of that, you're talking to the guy that jams Winter Orb in every deck that he can, so foreign clicks doesn't really bother me. <laughs> So a question for both of you, um, and, and we'll go with Ross's answer first. Treasures are just dominating right now, and it doesn't look like it's going away. Do you guys think when it comes to the 2023 list, we actually could see Vornclex drop because the amount people actually need their lands has decreased so much because of all these treasure uh, treasure producers? Yeah, Um I think that's a, a fair point, and along with that, people in general are just running more mana rocks um, in in general in their ramp slots than say like a you know a rampant growth or like a explosive veggies. If we go way back on the the list of ramp, um, but the, for me, I think the reason that Vorinclex ranks so high on here is it's very similar to the land destruction. People get very very salty when you mess with their lands, um, and. Like you said, if there if there's other mana output, um, and I'm behind or I'm right after the person that played Vorinclex, but I have access to twenty treasures, 
I'll use my treasures and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, mine is ranked at number 38. I didn't go for like a top 10 one. Because I I don't know. You, you, I, I could argue up, down, left, right on those. So I was like, you know, let me let me look into the meat of the, the salt list and see if there's one that is just like, you know what? I don't feel like you should move. This card was rated around Back to Basics, Blood Moon, and Opposition Agent. Now, granted, SD with his fetch lands would definitely disagree with the opposition, op- opposition Agent one. But... I think Immercruel, the Promise End at number 38 is actually perfect for it. It costs 13 mana. Um, it's a legendary, so you can only have, uh, obviously it's commander, but you can only have one on your battlefield unless you have some legend effect. It costs one less to cast for each card among types in your graveyard. So it's like at most, I think you can get it down to like, what, seven? It's like land, enchantment, planeswalker, artifact, creature, instant, sorcery. Am I missing one? I think that's... Did I say artifact? I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah you can only reduce it down by seven. So, um, I guess if I could actually do math, that would mean it would cost six. So, <laughs> like, if you had every single card type in your graveyard, thing costs six. Okay. Flying Trample Protection from Instance. The Instant thing kind of sucks, because you can't use the best removal card in all of Magic Murder. Um, <laughs> it is a 13-13, so the Flying Trample... But see, so far, all I'm saying is like, oh, it's a big beater. But I think the reason it's salty, because people hate this, I think more than their lands getting touched. But it also is only on cast, so I think that's why it's right at 38, is when you cast the spell, gain control of target opponent during their next turn. After that turn, they get an extra turn. I think that's why it's at the sweet spot. You have to be able to cast it. It has that restriction like a lot of Eldrazi do. It does suck. Because there are things that you can turn that into, very much like the goad with his quote unquote friendliest deck, where there's like something where um if your opponent would take an extra turn, they skip that turn instead. And so a lot of times he'll like Emrakul and then take someone's turn and then they actually end up not getting a turn at all. Um and so like there are things that can make the card a little bit worse. But I don't know. At number 38, I just feel like this fits right. And you could even put the dollar argument onto it because the cheapest copy is 62 bucks, and the promo is 155 So um, that's kind of why I think it's at a, a very good spot. I wouldn't want to see it lower, and I don't think I'd want to see it higher. Uh, SD, what do you think about that? Uh, first, I think you should play against Murphys more often because he loves to jam this in people's faces. <laughs> But no, um, on a serious note, I I completely agree with you. I think it's really only salt-inducing for the player that that loses their turn to it. Uh, It really sucks. Because what most people do with it is they'll take your turn and then, you know, they run all of your creatures into theirs and kill them and sack what they can. They they do what they can to dick you over. So it's really only salt-inducing for that one player, whether it was you this game or it was someone else the Mm -hmm. other game. So. Uh, ultimately, I, I think it's like, oh man, that it sucks. You got picked on it. I'm glad I didn't. And then the next game, it's like, oh, I got picked. I hate this card. Yeah, I, I think I agree with your placement as well. Um, I definitely wouldn't rank it any higher. Um, if it fell lower, I wouldn't wouldn't be that surprised. Um, just I think there are as magic grows. I think there are a lot quicker things to do than uh, a 13 mana one person effect. I think that makes sense. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up our uh, 
cards that we wanted to talk about. Before we conclude the 2022 Salty EDH Rec list, I'd like to just do like a round robin. Um, SD, like, I, I know you said that you feel like they should definitely take a lot of the land destruction stuff and kind of put it in its own box somewhere. Um, but, you know, if you were going to kind of grade the list overall, like, do you feel like it's fairly accurate with what you see in your playgroup? down in central Missouri? Like, do you think like a lot of people, if you did a poll of your LGS, it'd be like, ah, I'd probably match about it. Or do you think it's very, very different than what you and your community feel like is salty? I think it's pretty spot on. Um, if you brought that list out, you wouldn't see a majority of the cards on it being played. I mean, you'll always have your trial cards, uh, your turgid players and stuff like that, where it's like they they just find it funny to jam as much stuff from the salty score or salty list into decks to play against you. But for the most part, you may see like a total of ten cards from this list being played at any given time. So I think it's pretty accurate for for this area. Ross, how do you feel? Yeah, um, as I I think what. Uh, Sharpie brought up earlier was a really interesting point. If they could add some tagging to this list, it would make it really interesting. So, you know, tagging it with land destruction, with stacks, with like super mana positive things or extra turns, you know, mm-hmm. making a way to filter that down because I don't know, maybe, maybe you play against people who run stacks and maybe nobody in your, in your uh, meta runs any stacks. Yeah. And so filtering, filtering that out of this entire list would be an interesting way to take a look at it. Or if you, you know, your playgroup has a, a rule zero where you you never blow up lands ever, then mm-hmm. like Sharpie said, taking that whole that whole chunk of cards out would be an interesting way to filter this down and take a look at the list. But the I think the most surprising thing for me as I looked through this list was uh let's see, the top ten to out of the top ten, um I run number uh eight, nine, and 10 in one deck. So I, I know it made me realize I have a very salty deck. So that, that, that's super interesting. I was actually just, when you're talking, messing around on the table and they actually do have the ability to add columns. And one of the columns is card type. And oh. I almost wonder, you would have to imagine that EDH rec, it's, they're collecting quote unquote salt scores for all the cards in magic. And they're just putting all the ones that have the high score up top. Um, you know, hence why stasis shows assault score of 292, but then the very last card on the list is Notion Thief at 156. I mean, we're not that far off. So I don't see why they couldn't put a filter on the table view where you could say, I only want to see lands or I only want to see, you know, at least do it for the card type. And then they can kind of see like how, and then, then from there, because we've seen how EDH rec has evolved over the years. I mean, um, SD, I know you and I have been playing a long, long time, and I don't know if you remember early on, but you couldn't even search for, like, token archetypes or artifact archetypes. It was just, like, colors and uh, the commanders, and that was it. But now, I mean, they can get down into, like, super, super granular, like, hey, here's all the combos that this uh, commander does and what's popular. So I could definitely see them evolving this uh, salt list where we could get a little bit more granular. Like, you know what? Anything that says... Uh, destroy target land or destroy all lands. I don't even want to see those cards. Show me everything else. Um, because one card that I actually disagree with, I don't think Force of Will should be on here. Um, that's Fierce Guardianship, same thing. I think that's stupid. Um, I don't know why they're taking up slots. It's just a counter spell. 
Um, I get it. They're free. It's a free counterspell. Yeah. God, blow me. Um, that's <laughs> not a good reason. Uh, but I would say for me, looking at the list, I think there's some things that are just rated high because people can't afford the cards. I think there's a lot of cards on here that are rated high just because they're popular. Like, to be honest, I know people always get butthurt about Rift, but Rift isn't that salty of a card. What makes Rift salty is when you have some noob play it and they don't have any, like they're not doing anything to progress the game and they just set the game back 45 minutes. That's the only reason it's on here. Yeah, one one thing I was going to mention earlier when we were talking about the ranking of, car, of cards is how people use this card and then what they do moving forward. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that I almost talked about was uh, Smokestack. If you've ever played against a player who uses Smokestack and has no plan for it beyond that, it is super frustrating. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> um, oh, so so the one that I was shocked at that no one talked about, I'm shocked that you guys didn't mention that Narset Parter of Veils was ranked too low because I was shocked that that wasn't in the top 20. Just stunned. I think it's really? like down in the 60s or something like that. Yeah, because... How many times do you see, oh, here we go, Narset's right below Opposition Agent and right above Back to Basics. So, yeah, I, so, yeah, Immacruel's number 38, so Narset would be seven, uh, 35. I think it's way higher than number 35 on the salt list, because um, how many times do you see Narset and then a wheel effect? And I get it, it's because of the wheel effect, but Narset's really the cause of why you get this. Zero times, have I have seen, seen that. No. What? I've, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Wrong question for SD. How many times have you done that to people? <laughs> Zero times. Oh, man. I'm going to have to... So, I'm a, I, I would much prefer to Notion Thief them. I, I would rather Hole Breacher. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't see that very often um, in the, the circles that I run in, but I think some of these on the list also have that effect of just like the stories that you hear about them because Mm -hmm. like winter orb and static orb have such a a negative connotation, but honestly, I don't see those in play very often. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Well, hopefully our fellow members of the collective, you have maybe learned a little bit more about the salt list. uh, What to maybe not run in your deck. If you don't want SD to just punch you in the mouth. (laughs) What you probably should run on the deck that uh, Mr. Combo will cry but be proud of. And maybe what cards you shouldn't be bringing to Marketing Ross's playgroup because you're just flexing a $4,000 card for a $200 deck. And that just doesn't make any sense. So this is Mr. Combo number five signing off. This is Marketing Ross saying thank you for being a friend. SD Sharpie out. All right. Have a great night.